Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. I realized I should start probably opening these with my name so people know who I am. Um, if you need or are curious about my credentials, you can look me up on IMDb where you'll find uh, not really anything actually. Um, just going to have to take my word for it that I really know what I'm talking about. So where were we? Oh, that's right. We were, Last class we had talked about North by Northwest. And uh, we're just going to keep moving right along down Hitch's filmography. According to Hitchcock's biography by John Russell Taylor, Hitch saw that low-budget horror films at the time were doing very well, as they continue to have. Uh, and he wondered if he could do something like that. So the movie we're going to talk about today is, is Hitchcock's version of one of those low-budget horror films. Uh, he filmed it with his TV crew, the, the crew that worked... Uh, for his show on uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents and later the Alfred Hitchcock Hour and and even went about filming it like the TV show. For those of you who don't, don't understand why that's important, film and television are very different, mostly because the, the per minute of screen time budget on a television show is significantly lower than it will be on a film. And also the amount of time that you have on a TV show to film any given scene is going to be uh, significantly lower as well. So bringing in a TV crew meant that things would be done quickly and as efficiently as possible. And he even filmed it like he did uh, much of his, when, whenever he would come in and direct a television episode on his own show. It, the coverage is fairly standard and it would be designed around a few specific shots that he felt he really needed for the scene. So Hitch financed this movie himself with $800,000 and he made a movie called Psycho, which if you haven't seen either you're very new to Hitchcock, very new to classic cinema, or you've been living under a rock. I'm not sure which one of those three, but for those of you who don't know, let me kind of sum up the movie. Uh, a young woman steals a large sum of money from her employer and makes her escape to her secret lover. However, on the way, she stops at a small, out-of-the-way motel where everything for her and our story changes when she meets Norman Bates and his murderous mother. Uh, I'm going to discuss two scenes in this film in great detail. So if you haven't seen this movie, like I said before, what what have you been doing with your life? But just understand that I'm, I'm going to discuss two pretty crucial scenes in this film in depth. So if you haven't seen this movie, first of all, go watch the movie and do yourself a favor. Um, second of all, um, you kind of need to understand what I'm talking about. So um, yeah, go watch the movie. But I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this show, you've watched the movie. Uh, this isn't like suspicion or something like that. That's a little bit more uh, half forgotten. This is this is one of the movies that Hitchcock is most known for, most recognized for, even to this day. So anyway, um, Hitchcock had really reached the height of his ability to tell a story in the way that he knew exactly how the audience would react to, and that starts with the way he portrays violence on the screen. In Hitchcock on Hitchcock Volume One, in an interview called a Red Book Dialogue. He says, and I quote, I have always felt that you should do the minimum on screen to get the maximum audience effect. I believe the audience should work. 
For example, in Psycho, there was this very violent, impressionistic murder in a bathroom, and it was montaged by little pieces of film giving the impression of a knife stabbing a victim and so on and so forth. Now, once I had completed that piece of film, I had instilled in the minds of the audience enough apprehension about the existence of a murderer so that as the movie went on, I was able to reduce and eventually practically eliminate all further violence because I wanted the threat left. Once I'd given the audience, shall we say, a sample, I allowed them to imagine the violence. I, I, I allowed them to imagine the violence. You see, I didn't have to show it. So that's kind of long. Let me sort of break it down real quick. Hitch basically felt that you shouldn't be explicit with what you show on the screen, whether it was violence or sex or anything. It needed to all be implied as much as possible. Let the audience engage with the material. Instead of spoon-feeding them everything, let them imagine what's going on. Imagine, let, let them figure out some of this and sort of fill in the gaps. So in Psycho, what he does is he, is he gives us this really impressionistically violent scene of a murder and then slowly and then there's one there's one other murder and then there's the threat of a murder moving forward and nothing else in that scene compares to the violence that is not really portrayed but well portrayed is a good word i suppose violence that is portrayed in that scene there's nothing else on screen that matches it. And we've seen other filmmakers use this to great effect. Um, Steven Spielberg talks at length about Jaws and how because the mechanical shark didn't work very well, he was forced to shoot around the fact that he didn't actually have a shark on, on the set in the water. And, and it created an impression in the audience's minds of, of the danger that that shark represented. Um, and Hitchcock does something very similar here, except that he sets it up very in your face and then backs off of it and lets that that fear and that impression you had from earlier on in the film just linger in your mind through every major suspense scene that's built around that fear of the murder. So let's walk through that shower scene, because that is the scene that this movie is most known for, most recognized for, and is the one that Hitchcock uh, built the entire movie around. It took them a week to shoot and 70 setups. They did 70 setups in seven days. And never once do you actually see the knife pierce the woman's skin. You never see nudity. There's no breasts. There's no uh, genitals. There's nothing. Despite that when the censors first saw the movie, they were convinced that they, were, that they had seen that. It was, they had seen either of those things. And it just wasn't true. He had to step them through it frame by frame to show them that that none of what they thought was there was actually in there. Because if you've seen the scene, it's made up of these 70 setups that goes by in like 45 seconds. So it's just constantly cutting from shot to shot in this montage, giving us the impression of the violence that actually is not there at all. And I've had several people tell me that they see things in this scene that I know for a fact aren't there. I've had people tell me that they can see that the knife is fake. Uh, I've watched this scene, I don't know, maybe a dozen times, and... And it doesn't look like rubber to me. And that just really shows you the power of montage. There's this ability to create an impression of something that is not there um, through these close cuts and inserts of details and pieces of action 
in in a single dramatic unit and that can be compared to um you know other examples where hitchcock uses this technique in violent scenes at the end of rear window there is a fight that is shot like this and rear window most of the time is shot mostly in wider medium close you know it's all very observational but still subjective um but then in in that scene at the end it's all very cut and pieced together through through quick quick setups but this is also a different kind of montage than what than what most of rear window is based off of and it's a, a different kind of montage that we also see in vertigo where you know we've talked about this subjective treatment this show a shot of someone looking at something show what they're looking at come back to cut back to the person for their reaction right you can intellectually communicate process simply through very simple visuals and cutting back and forth this is more of an emotional kind of montage and also in hitchcock on hitchcock volume one in a in a um in an interview called or excuse me an essay called on style uh he says of juxtaposition or of montage we have two kinds we can have the pieces of film that are put together to create an idea like rear window or, or vertigo um, or the pieces of film that are put together to create an emotion. Now, the bathtub scene was an emotion putting together of the film, an expression of extreme violence. Now, also in Psycho, you had a scene where the detective was coming up the stairs. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break from that real quick to talk you through the shower scene a little bit more in depth and that scene with the uh, detective going up the stairs. But um, first, we need, to, we need to remember Saul Bass. Do you remember Vertigo? And I, I probably mentioned this very, very briefly in North by Northwest, but a um, man by the name of Saul Bass did the opening titles. And he was a real uh, maverick in terms of you know, creating opening titles that would lead to, that, that, that were part of the storytelling almost. Well, he also did the opening titles here for Psycho, but... Th- uh, Bass and Hitch's collaboration went one step further. In fact, rumor had it that Saul Bass actually directed the shower scene, but that's not true. Uh, he did make the storyboards, however, for for the shower scene and and also made storyboards for the detective scene. And remember, Saul Bass was a 2D designer, so his his way of going about composition was very two-dimensional much like you know any kind of 2d graphics that we see and if you look at the shower scene storyboards which you can find uh, for sure on the blu-ray of psycho and probably also on the dvd of it if you look at those storyboards they're very i mean they they look like what you would expect a 2d designer to create and if you look at the scenes visually represented they are also very much like you would expect a 2d designer to shoot a film um or at least some of them are some of the shots are. And <laughs> that was something that always always sort of threw me out. Well, not always, but, but after, after I, I grew more um, attentive to what I was watching when I was watching films, I noticed that about Psycho, that there was this break from style, it seemed like. And now I understand why. It's because Saul Bass created these magnificent storyboards that Hitch went, went on to shoot. And there are several moments in the film, um, and a few even outside of those two scenes that we've discussed, that, that feel very much 
that way. So, so look for that the next time you're watching the film. Let me get to that detective scene real quick. See, Hitch lets Saul Bass storyboard the scene when Arbogast, the detective, is going up the steps. Uh, the problem was Hitch got sick the day they were going to film that. And instead of shutting down uh, production until he got better, he just told his crew, you have Saul Bass's storyboards, just go shoot that. The problem is when he came back, he looked at the rushes and he realized that 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 what they had shot and what Saul had storyboarded wasn't going to work because it was, you know, it, it was close up of hands going up the banister and, and, you know, close up of feet as they climb the steps. And these, these shots that, that belonged to a murderer and not a detective or an innocent person or even a victim, as we find out as the scene goes along. And so he told Truffaut, uh, in his famous interview, that all the elements that would give you the suspense of that detective walking up the stairs had gone before. Therefore, it needed a simple statement. You needed to show the s- show stairs and a man going up the stairs in a very simple way. With an air of caution looking around because the cutting up of the man's journey would ruin the cuts that you needed at the time of his death. So I threw it all away and used one shot. And when he got near the top step, I deliberately placed the camera high, very high. For two reasons. One, so that I could shoot down on top of the woman. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to put in an obvious cheat and put in her back view going away from us because that would look like I was deliberately concealing her. I used the high shot so you looked down on her head and did not look like I was trying to avoid showing her. But the main reason of going very, very high was to get the big contrast of the big head as the knife came down. It was music, you see. The high shot were the violins humming, then suddenly the brass booming with the big head. There's a couple of ideas in that statement that I want to talk about. First off is the idea of understanding your story. The suspense of the detective being in that house is already set up, as Hitch says. We don't need to create suspense visually because it's already there in the audience's mind. You need to be aware of your audience and where their mindset is going to be at any given scene because that should inform you how you're going to film it. Now, the second idea is understanding we don't need, we, we need a simple statement here and we need to hold the, the, the montage for the beat, for the moment when the scene changes, when the mother comes out and slashes Arbogast in the face. So what that means is now you need to understand how you're going to play that out. And Hitch had some very practical problems that he was trying to solve that he outlines here. But also understanding that each shot is going to play in conjunction to another shot. So what he's talking about there is he takes the camera way up high to shoot directly overhead because it makes the characters small in the frame. Understanding that he was going to immediately cut to a big close-up. And you also need to understand that movies at the time weren't really played in in homes you had to go to the theater to see a movie and if you were going to go to a theater that means that you're seeing on a massive screen the story being played out in front of you well that changes how you direct understanding that this isn't for home consumption this is for the big screen because that big close-up is going to have a massive dramatic impact especially when it's contrasted with characters being relatively small in the frame and that's one of the things that, that, that I really realized fairly recently when I went to go see um, It's a Wonderful Life 
in the theater, there was a Fathom event um, that my family and I went to because my mother always watches It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. So we all went to go see it in the theater. And it was it was revelatory because I've seen that movie, I don't know, a dozen, dozen and a half times. But to see it in the format it was originally directed for on the big screen uh, really changed the viewing because you pick up on things. It has a different emotional impact. And I also recently went to go see another Fathom event. I went to go see The Godfather. And again, I saw the power of the close-up on that massive screen. And that's one of the things that Hitch is talking about here. Um, See, Hitch could dissect a scene shot for shot and know how it would work on the audience. And he also understood the overall story presentation that he was putting together. And that's the thing, is being able to understand the forest for the trees. Sometimes you need to be able to look at something and, and know not just how is this moment going to work, but how does this moment work in the whole story. So, Hitch, so again, I want to go back to Hitchcock, Hitchcock's interview with Truffaut. Um, he tells us that the first part of the story is a red herring. He says, audiences are always trying to jump ahead. They're always trying to say, ah, I know what's coming next. You deliberately have to play upon this fact. And the more detail that goes into the girl's journey, the first half of the story, the more you get them observed in her problem, in her plight. Going back to the, to the essay on style, Hitch says, Psycho was the biggest joke to me. I couldn't make it without my tongue in my cheek. If I'd been doing Psycho seriously, then it would have been a case history told in a documentary manner. It, it, it certainly wouldn't have been told in, in terms of mystery and, ooh, look out, audience, here comes the boogeyman. This is like telling a story to a little boy. It's like telling a fairy tale. You tell it in hushed tones. Shh. And the woman went up the stairs. You know, that's all I'm doing. And you've got to have a sense of humor about this. That's one of the things that, that, that I think most storytellers share is this, this humor or this, this sense of joy in getting the reaction out of an audience that they wanted. You know, putting them through hell so that on the other side, you know, they can, everyone's laughing and enjoying it together. And that's what he told Truffaut. He said, my main satisfaction is that that film did something to an audience. I don't care about the subject matter. I don't care about the acting. But I care about the pieces of film and photography and everything that it contained from the technical aspect that could make an audience scream. And in many ways, with our art, achieve something of a mass emotion. And it wasn't a message that stirred an audience. It wasn't some great performance that stirred an audience. It wasn't a highly appreciated novel that stirred an audience. It was pure film. And that was something that Hitch was constantly pushing for, was this pure cinema. This idea of the story is being told through not only individual shots that tell a piece of the story, but by assembling those shots so that they tell the overarching story. It wasn't photographs of people talking. It was... Each shot has a purpose. Each shot tells a part of the story. And when assembled together, we get an effect out of the audience. And that was what Hitch was so... That's what Hitch thought was so funny. It wasn't the scary... It it wasn't the content of the movie that terrified the audience. In his mind, at least. It was his ability to tell the story cinematically. Anyway... 
Uh, that's all I have for this class session of Alfred Hitchcock uh, for Hitchcock University. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I hope maybe this was somewhat inspirational or, or informational or something for you. And if it was, uh, you know, hit me up. Uh, we got email, hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. We have Facebook page, Facebook, uh, Hitchcock University, uh, Twitter, hitch underscore you. Um, yeah, let me know what you thought. Um, or, you know, leave a rating or a review wherever it is you listen to the show, whether it's uh, uh, iTunes Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or whatever they call themselves now, or, or uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, wherever it is you listen to the show, SoundCloud. Um, yeah, join us again in a couple weeks uh, when we have class again. Uh, thank you for attending class and attending uh, Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. <laughs>